Welcome to Fear Frequency, a weekly horror podcast where two best friends round up the horror news worth caring about and review a movie or two. I'm your host, Jimmy Champagne, and with me today is George Fazard. What's up, How's dude? it going, dude? Good, man. What's going on? We fucked that up every week because we're not in the same room. Yeah, I think we've done it right once. That's all that counts. <laughs> uh, is it next week? No, in two weeks, I think, we get to record an episode in the flesh. We'll get to do two episodes in the flesh. Skin to skin. Contact the yeah. whole time. I'm going back to Michigan for like four or five days. And then George is flying back to LA with me. And we're going to go to Disneyland. But also record an episode of the podcast. That's the, the real reason George is flying out here. Totally. Obviously. Uh, so a little bit of housekeeping to get out of the way here. Our friends uh, at Fright Day, which is a really good podcast... They're, like, way better produced than we are. <laughs> uh, it's really good. I listen to it every week. Uh, we, well, he they, they made it, but it was partially my idea, so I'm taking credit for that. Uh, they, together, we've conceived a Facebook group called the Pre- Creepy Podcast Commune. And you can go find it, and it's a really fun place where just a bunch of different horror podcasts will post and tell you what they're about. And then you can find some shows to listen to. Uh, throughout the week and meet other podcast listeners so go check that out on facebook right now have you joined george i did join i am a part of that community i added you yes i saw that and i'm in there Whoa. checking that shit out daily do you hear do you hear that do you hear (laughs) the scream of dr loomis i i think i hear it way off in the distance do we have do we have a halloween alert oh dude we must you know dr loomis you hear that scream from halloween six the last sound (laughs) Donald Pleasance ever uttered on film. You know, it must be a Halloween alert. So, uh, Trick or Treat Studios, who make, like, oh my god, they make the best Halloween masks out there. They have the license to make the Halloween Michael Myers mask for the new movie. And they'll be releasing it this year along with a replica prop knife, which is awesome. And it's uh, designed by Oscar and Emmy-winning makeup effects artists Christopher Nelson and Vincent Van Dyke. How cool is that? Yeah, that's awesome. You had a really good <laughs> Michael Myers mask, I remember, and then it just disappeared. Yeah. Did you ever find that? No, I had that, like, I don't even know when I got it. It was, like, late high school or something. And then I think I wore it like twice, and then it just, I was never able to find it ever again. What happened to it? I don't know. Like, I honestly have no idea where it went. Where did it go? Did the real Michael Myers take it from me? We'll never know. <laughs> yeah, so you can buy a new one uh, sometime this year, probably before Halloween, I would hope, for yeah, their sake. It'll probably be significantly more expensive than the first mask, also. <laughs> yeah, I bet. But hey. It's, it'll be quality. And uh, so we have another little Halloween alert. And George and I have been making jokes about Nick Castle, like, sitting around not doing anything for months. But <laughs> I was doing research for this video I'm working on. And I never knew this, but Nick Castle of Halloween fame directed The, the Last Starfighter. Yeah, directed The Last Starfighter, wrote Escape from New York and L.A., and has story credit for the Steven Spielberg movie, Hook. Isn't that crazy? 
That is something I would have never guessed in a hundred years if you would have sat me in a room and asked me to name Nick Castle facts. I had no idea. So, like, we've been making jokes about this dude just sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. Right, but he's like this prolific writer and director. (laughs) So I just wanted to, like, you know, clear the air on that. Give uh, Nick Castle his his due, because now I feel bad. Yeah, I mean, I would have... That just blows my mind. That really is weird to me that the shape <laughs> has also done all these impressive accolades in his life. Yeah, dude, I was blown away when I read this. I was on IMDb uh, doing research, and that leads into the next story, which is that Gary Whitta, uh, the guy who wrote a couple episodes of the Walking Dead game, who also wrote for PC Gamer originally, I think, and then wrote Rogue One is working on a reboot of The Last Starfighter, which is how I found out about Nick Castle directing that. And then I went and verified that it was the same Nick Castle, and it is. And he's working with Jonathan Bitwell, who wrote The Last Starfighter. He came up with the whole world. And they shared some concept art from Matt Alsup, who is the ship designer on Star Wars Rogue One. And it looks awesome. Yeah, you can see the uh, Star Wars influence on these ships, pretty quickly they all have kind of that like star wars look to them where they're kind of oddly shaped or extra sleek and have kind of weird fins and stuff on the side but i think they look really cool i'm really interested in seeing this from the concept art yeah me too this this looks really cool have you ever seen the last starfighter the movie not in a long time it's been probably at least like four years since i saw it i really like i really like that movie a lot i think it's great but yeah, I think he's probably the next best person to pick it up. I mean, Rogue One was fantastic, so it seems like it'd be a perfect fit to do another space movie for him. So yeah, he did an interview with io9, and he was talking about how he like got in touch with Jonathan Batwell. And the reason that there hasn't been a Last Starfighter uh, remake or reboot before is because the rights are all over the place. Famously, I think Universal owns the rights to it because they made it originally right now. But they're working on Ernest Cline's Armada, which is like, it's his second book, but it's so heavily inspired by uh, The Last Starfighter that it's weird that they'd even allow a reboot to go forward but he was talking about how he met that guy and he said since then we've spent so many hours working on it i've long lost since or i've long since lost count but right now we have a fully developed story that is a combination of a reboot and sequel that we both think honors the legacy of the original film while passing the torch to a new generation we're both very excited about it creatively that sounds really cool dude yeah. i'm really excited about this yeah that I, sounds like i a- think like space movies need to make a big comeback like, 80s-style space movies that are, like, fun and not danger, science fiction, horror crap. Right. Like, what? The only things kind of in that vein we've seen were uh, Cloverfield just came out. Garbage. That was kind of in that. Garbage. Um, life. Well, I thought life was okay. Life was fine. Yeah. Like, it wasn't groundbreaking, but it was fun. No, yeah, like, it was kind of I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's bad. I think it's, like, just there. It exists. Yeah, it's, like, kind of weird because they had all these big actors in it and none of them really stood out at all. I and mean, they were all, like, very forgettable, even though you have all these, like, A-list actors. So I don't know if... Just, yeah, like, I, I always think that's really weird. Yeah, that was, like, an issue with a few things, script included. But, uh, I mean, other than, like, the Star Wars movies, 
which are more fantasy, more like kid oriented. I don't and know. There's those Star Trek ones, but those get worse with every single yeah, one. Yeah, those kind of took a nosedive pretty quickly. It's just I just I think the last Starfighter is I it's something that's old enough and low key enough to where a core group of people remember it fondly, but it was never it was never one of those things on the tip of people's tongues. So I think rebooting it rather than being like a straight remake, I think that's smart, you know, like Kind of like a Tron Legacy situation, but a good movie. That's yeah, what I want. Hopefully, it'll catch on instead of Tron Legacy. <laughs> yeah. Well, I rewatch. I love Tron Legacy. I love the aesthetic. I love the soundtrack. I like the characters and the world. It's just, you go back and you watch it. Just a lot of stuff doesn't really fall together the way it should with that movie. And now I kind of understand why it didn't make money. And it's a guilty pleasure for sure. Because it's, it's not a good movie, I would say. But it's a fun watch. I want The Last Starfighter to be a good movie. Because they kind of had nothing to lose with this one. Yeah, I think that now is kind of a good time to strike with this since it'll hit either slightly older crowd who nostalgia's huge with that'll want to see some kind of reboot or, you know, whatever this kind of something in the same universe. And it'll also introduce younger generations to the, the Last Starfighter that would have never even thought to go back and watch it. So I think now is kind of the perfect time to release this or kind of get the project started. I agree. And I'd honestly, like, I really liked Ready Player One, but I think I'd like uh, a Last Starfighter reboot than a movie of Armada. Because I've started Armada a couple times, and it just, it's it's a little too on the nose. If, like, Ready Player One is a movie or a book that I didn't think was too on the nose but if you ever thought that then armada is definitely not for you (laughs) uh because it's basically just the last starfighter (laughs) very similar plots but uh let's move on next up on the list stranger things is coming to halloween horror nights this year and in the news story i read it says george will be flying out here for this event as i will do my best to attain early invites to the press night for us wow it's crazy how'd they get this news before me you know, sometimes people just approach me for interviews or they want to know what I'm up to. And I, I got to give them a little tidbit every now and then, you know. Yeah. So I feel you on there. It's okay. We could have broken on our show. <laughs> Whatever. So according to the official announcement, you'll get to step into the upside down and experience the sub- suspense and supernatural frights from season one of the show uh, in the new maze. It's a maze. And it'll be immersive, and it'll recreate some of the show's most iconic scenes, 80s settings, and most loved characters. Uh, You'll faithfully follow the storyline from season one, starting off on Mirkwood and then quickly moving inside Hawkins National Lab. This sounds really cool. Yeah, this does sound really interesting. Yeah, it starts September 14th and runs through November 3rd. That just makes sense. That's just, like, that's a really good one. the, The less... American Horror Story we have at Universal <laughs> Halloween Horror Nights the better because I distinctly remember the like draw of the Freak Show one was that they had a real vomit smell and I was like yeah I'm, I'm good I, I mean I don't want to smell vomit I get that that's like a gross thing and that makes the haunted house harder to get through but that's just kind of disgusting yeah they had the Exorcist one that also smelled like vomit it's like <laughs> what does it get like a sale on vomit smell and they're like gotta make this year it's vomit themed it's Halloween vomit nights like think of a new gimmick Jesus Christ <laughs> but I don't know this could be cool I hope they don't make like animatronics of the kids because that'll be really 
creepy in a bad way? <laughs> I think that would be a little too weird. You think they're going to yeah. have, like, actors? I don't know. So I've been to Halloween Horror Nights once. I covered it for Bloody Disgusting. That's, like, a really old video on their YouTube channel you can go watch. It's pretty funny. But uh, they have actors, for sure, in their things. In the Freddy vs. Jason one, there were about seven Freddies and six Jasons throughout. Okay. <laughs> so, you know, like, yeah, I bet they will have child actors, which, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I want it, but seeing a Demi-Gorgon that's not entirely CGI will be cool. Yeah, I mean... I could see that, and then also, like, the settings of the lab could be really creepy. The streets at night could be... They could do some fun stuff with that. I mean, it's a great setting for, like, a Halloween Horror Nights setup, so it seems like kind of a no-brainer that this would be, you know, the next big attraction to bring people in. I think it's a great idea. Okay, so next up on the list here, we have some news related to A Quiet Place, which we're going to talk about in a little bit, but this movie had a big big opening weekend it had a 50 million dollar opening which is uh the second best domestic debut of 2018 it came in very hot uh and i feel real bad for truth or dare which probably would have made some money if this movie didn't come out a week before it yeah uh (laughs) that that does kind of suck for truth or dare but i think just in general from the trailers and the hype around a quiet place i think everyone knew that was going to be better and was going to go on to see that anyway i don't think it was yeah, really, right. really going to be a competition between the two if they came out like on the same weekend yeah so i think it's kind of just like the perfect storm of john krasinski emily blunt the south by southwest buzz and you know people are really into horror right now after we got it last year and all these other big huge horror movies so i feel like this is the the, the culmination of it all you know like people are finally into going to seeing horror movies and i'm all for it because this is a great movie which we'll talk about in a little bit yeah don't really want to get into the review yet but um it's cool that it made that much money do you know what the budget was uh no let me look it up let's look it up um it cost 17 million dollars so damn yeah oh it actually domestic was 50 million but worldwide 71.2 million okay that is a lot of money yeah so that's a huge return on investment (laughs) that is massive (laughs) (laughs) yeah so i'm really happy about that but we'll just talk about the movie in a little bit uh so next up on the list just now before the show the trailer for meg uh, the Meg, actually. It was originally called Meg, but they decided to put a the before it recently. It's the new Jason Statham movie about a Megalodon. The trailer dropped, and um, it looks really bad. <laughs> we both just watched it. Yeah, don't really want to sugarcoat it. It does look pretty pretty <laughs> bad. I mean, it's just a really strange idea. I don't get the trend with the giant animal thing going on. We have Rampage coming out, the Meg... We had King Kong recently, which was arguably... I like King Kong. And I I hope Rampage is good. But I just don't get why this recent trend of giant animals... (laughs) I don't don't get where it came from. I Yeah, I don't don't either. The CGI in this... Looks bad. Looks real bad. Uh, I don't know. Jason Statham's name being on it 
kind of automatically tells you that it's not going to be great. Yeah. I think. Because as much as he's a likable actor, I we both really like him. I don't think his name is like a stamp of quality or anything. No, I mean, I don't, I don't think he's been in like a good movie since like, I don't know, Fast Five. <laughs> yeah. I did not like Six and Seven was pretty bad. So I agree with that. I mean, he was the best uh, part of Eight. Yeah. Yeah. But still. Actually, I did like Six. I didn't like Seven and Eight was whatever to me. Yeah. He was good in it. I don't know. I, I don't think he's like, like you said, he's not really a stamp of quality for anything. And I think this is like a China thing. I, I I think China, like these movies are being made for Chinese people, basically. It's like how Paramount makes Transformers for China now. But yeah, I don't understand why there's a big focus right now on making big animals. <laughs> an action movie it's just a weird that is really weird like (laughs) i I don't know if i want it to go away i just think it's a weird trend like i'm not against it it's just strange (laughs) i don't think it's reached its saturation point yet to where we can accurately say whether or not it should stick around or go away there's been a lot of movies announced but there really haven't been a lot released so we'll just have to wait and see i guess what happens with the meg and rampage i don't know every every trailer i see for rampage makes me less and less excited for it i kind of like i came full circle where i was hype and then the circle kept moving and now i'm back to what the fuck is this movie like what is this gonna be i don't understand i really wish that the people were big in that movie i wish it was big people i would much rather see that than three big animals i'd like to see three big people that would be kind of hilarious three big the rock stomping through the city yeah (laughs) yeah wouldn't that be great yeah that would be awesome so i don't know the meg looks really bad but go watch the trailer for yourself and decide that it's bad so (laughs) next up on the list we have a good trailer from lee Wanell, who is the director of insidious 3 i don't know if he directed 4 no adam robitel directed 4 but he directed the third one and he also wrote every single insidious and he came up with saw he has a new movie which he wrote and directed called Upgrade, and it looks fucking awesome. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really. I wasn't too blown away by the trailer. I wasn't blown away by it, but it had a lot of good South by Southwest buzz, and I like the choreography in the trailer, like the fight choreography and camera work. I think the robot voice could use some work. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea of it being like a cyborg like second brain that helps out the guy is kind of cool and they can do some Mm -hmm. fun stuff with that but uh like the one fight they show in the trailer just seemed kind of like weird to me and i think it's weird because he stands still the whole time yeah like it's all reactive i I get that it's supposed to be like robotic movements because it's like the robot brain controlling him but i don't know that didn't really jive too well with me so We'll see how it is. I'm not really too impressed with the first trailer, but I, I'd be willing to see it. Yeah, um, it has a cool car in the trailer. It has a Challenger, an older Challenger RT, which is very cool. The music is cool. It just, it looks kind of too clean, doesn't it? Yeah, like doesn't it look like it needs to be a little grittier? Yeah, it, it just needs a little feels bit more kind of like incomplete in a way like mm-hmm. like it's 90% of the way there but it's not fully realized yet 
Because yeah, like, I don't but even understand. People what this... have seen it and it got good buzz. So maybe we're just seeing a bad part of it or I mean, something. Yeah, there's obviously been bad trailers for good movies before, so I think this could just be that, or or I could just yeah, be judging we'll just it too to hard. See. We'll just have to wait and see. It comes out in June, so it's not like you have to wait too long. Right. About a month and a half. So we'll see how that one is. We'll definitely talk about it on the show because we like Lee Winnell, or I do at least. I know George, you just hate everyone, so yeah, obviously. Kind of it's hard stick. to guess who you're going to like and hate. But <laughs> <laughs> next on here, we, we know you guys love when we talk about Rob Zombie movies. So Danny Trejo is reprising his role from The Devil's Rejects and Three from Hell. He plays kind of a whatever, like throwaway side character in The Devil's Rejects. But people must be clicking on these stories because it's like if someone breathes near the Three from Hell set, there's an article going up on somewhere you know yeah (laughs) i don't know i i don't understand why anyone's hyped for this movie at all truthfully like how many times do you have to get burned before you realize that rob zombie like had lightning strike on this movie yeah and i don't really get how bringing back denny trejo is like a big get yeah like that is someone where i can like faithfully say or what am i trying to say that is someone where i can say with confidence that i don't think he's really doing much besides running his taco shop here in la called treo's tacos which i hear is very good i heard it's pretty good too but i don't know like i don't really i mean he's been good in like the grindhouse movies like machete and uh what was the other one Machete was, machete, machete kills. Yeah, those machete, were both machete too kills. Well, I mean, they both were okay. Way too long. I mean, I don't, yeah. I don't think he's like a bad actor in any way. I just don't see him bringing a ton to this movie. Like, I don't see like Danny Trejo coming in to save Three from Hell. Like, I just don't see, <laughs> I don't see any kind of like big push that this is adding to the movie. I just, I really don't think I could care much less about this movie. <laughs> to be totally honest with you, <laughs> I just don't care. I thought The Devil's Rejects was pretty good, but Lords of Salem sucks. 31 sucks. The two Halloween movies he made are okay. House of a Thousand Corpses is decent. It's it's weird. It's, his trajectory is good, great, okay, bad, bad, bad. Yes. <laughs> I mean, maybe maybe this will be a hit on his hands. Maybe this is a return to form for Devil's Rejects, but who knows? I have to see it. You know, I have to be... I have to see some footage, a trailer, something. Because those characters died. So what's <laughs> going on here? You know, they died. They got shot like 4,000 times to Freebird. So they're dead. <laughs> so wh- what the fuck is going on? Like unless the Are movie... they supernatural? Are they gonna have powers? Like what why? Like unless it literally why? takes place in hell, I don't know how they're doing a sequel to Devil's Rejects. Is there gonna be a supernatural aspect to it? I, d- I just don't get it, George. You gotta explain this to me. I don't know. Like that would seem like a weird trajectory for the first two movies to be kind of grounded, gritty, realistic in a sense, serial killer movies. And then the third one has like a supernatural, like the three of these guys all come back from hell or something. 
I don't know. Like, I, I honestly have no idea what this is going to be. I have no idea what to expect from it, but my expectations are pretty low. Yeah, but hey. I mean, the thing, the thing actually that makes me think it's not going to be great is that it's VOD day one. Well, I mean, what? What, what was the last Rob Zombie movie that got in theaters? H2? Lords of Salem was in theaters. Was it? 31, 31 had a limited run just like this, and then it released on, I think, Shudder and something else. I don't know, man. But I don't know if it's because they don't have confidence in his ability to make money in theaters or what. But you'd think if this had, if like Lionsgate or whoever felt strongly about this being one of the biggest, like being a sequel to one of their best horror films ever, you'd think they'd be confident enough to put it into theaters. Yeah. (laughs) But, I mean, is is there even like big chunks of this movie shot yet or is it still in all pre-production? Well, people are on set, so that must mean that it's being worked like actively shot right now, right? Yeah, I mean, maybe once they see <coughs> see um, a more complete cut of the movie, then they might change their minds on it or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, being optimistic, maybe once they see everything coming together in like the final cuts, then they'll they'll want to push it a little bit harder. But maybe they're just kind of cautious about it at this point since Zombie hasn't had a big hit in a while. Yeah. Who knows? It's weird that he didn't let Shudder just fund it since they, you know, put V or thirty one on there. But you never know what's going on with Rob Zombie. <laughs> uh, so next up, I have my favorite news story of this week. So Evil Dead the remake, which is a fucking amazing movie, like a solid ten out of ten in my opinion. Uh, it's five years old now, which that's not one where I'm like, wow, that's already five years old. That's one where I was like, yeah, that's five years old. That's pretty okay. Uh, (laughs) Fetty Alvarez, who's currently working on Don't Breathe 2, he shared a bunch of behind-the-scenes set photos he took uh, during production, and they reveal some really cool stuff. Like the scene when um, it's raining blood at the end, they actually shot 50,000 gallons of blood into the air uh, above Mia, and yep, it rained blood, and they actually built a little cabin uh, out there in the woods, it's and the prosthetic for the arm being sawed off by the uh, turkey carver. Just all that little stuff. It's so cool to see these behind-the-scenes photos, man. Yeah, there are some cool, you know, peaks behind the curtain, so to speak, for the for that movie. My personal favorite picture is the uh, the blood hose where they're shooting it straight up in the air. Yeah, I just think that, yeah. that's a cool shot. But uh, and the one where the girl's arm is hanging off, yeah. that was really cool. Yeah, that was good too. So it's, and it's cool. It's like her her shoulders a little too sticking out because her her real arm is behind there. But the way they shot it, the angle was right, so it looks like it should. I think that's awesome. Yeah, but these are definitely cool pictures that uh, people should check out. That movie his was so or... ahead of its time with fashion. Yeah, the characters all dressed so cool in that movie. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the movie has aged pretty well. It's only been five years, but it's... Uh, the, the director's cut just came out on Amazon last year, and I went back and watched that, and it adds in a really cool scene with uh, Mia's older brother, I forgot the character's name, but where he goes in the garage and gets the chainsaw all ready for himself. Oh, really? Before, before she attaches it to her arm. Yeah, and it's shot just like the original one, like with the great jump cuts and everything. Huh. Uh, it's really cool. It adds in a, a few scenes. 
I'll it just to... it basically extends a lot of the gore mm-hmm. scenes, but then it adds in a couple more. Hmm. Maybe I'll have to pick that up and watch the director's cut. I've never seen it. Yeah, because this is famously one of those movies that was uh, going to be NC-17, unless they cut out some stuff. But it's it's just so cool to get a look behind the scenes on this. I don't understand how anyone, Evil Dead fan or not, like if you're a horror fan, how you could dislike this movie. It's just so good. Yeah. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think it gets much better. It, it was very good, and I think that it's one of those movies that, I mean, I think it was fairly well received when it came out. I think it got yeah, okay, yeah, it was okay, pretty good reviews. But it I made think, money too. Yeah, so I think over time this is going to get more and more recognition. Like as people go back mm-hmm. and watch it, they're going to be like, "Huh, that actually was like better than we gave it credit for." But you know, it's, that's something that only time will tell. Don't breathe is also very good, so yeah. I'm excited for Don't Breathe too. Yeah, Fetty Alvarez is a great director. Uh, uh-huh. I'm really excited for Don't Breathe too. I'm. I think we talked about this before, but I'm I'm curious to see where the story is going to go, how they're going to make <laughs> yeah, a sequel to that movie. So, uh, <laughs> it'll be cool. I'm excited for it. I feel like he wouldn't have done it knowing like he's right. on a winning streak, right, unless, unless he, had, he had a really good he had idea. a good plan for it. He wasn't just like <laughs> going to throw something he, together. So, he started out as a YouTuber, which makes me like him even more. And he posts weird little videos of stuff he does in Blender or Unity on his Twitter. Like, he did this one recently where it was a windowsill, and he zoomed in on it, and he animated, like, a hundred little people, like, tiny little people walking on the windowsill. I think it was with, like, ARKit or something on his iPhone. But I thought that was really cool. Hmm. That was cool. But he's definitely worth following on Twitter, because he tweets about what he's working on, he tweets behind-the-scenes stuff like this, uh, and you know what? I'm, I interviewed him when Don't Breathe came out, and he was he was so nice and so cool, we were only supposed to get 90 seconds with each person in that interview line, and he sat with me for, like, four minutes. It was awesome. He was so nice. Cool. Yeah, seems like a good guy. Yeah, so now we're moving into George's Corner. So we got uh, a trailer for the first Purge, <laughs> and we talked about this a, little, a couple a month ago, I think, and we were pretty stoked for it, thinking it was going to be an Escape from New York-style uh, horror action movie, but it just, it honestly just looks like more of the same i would say you want to handle this one yeah i mean my first reaction to it after seeing it was that it looks a lot like a rehash of two and three and both like thematically where it's people are it's the government's trying to get the first purge passed so that one night a year crime is legal and people can kill each other but there's like a dichotomy where people don't actually want to kill each other and so the government has to subsidize killing by sending out like kill crews and you can see that in the trailer for this and that's a theme that they touched on in the last two movies so this just feels like a recycling of the same thing we just saw again and again and it's just irritating that they wouldn't take this as a different path for the series and try to do something cooler like what we said earlier with like an Escape from New York style where they take it maybe on small scale, they try to only release it for the first time on Staten Island or something and they lock it closed uh-huh. and just let everyone go crazy. Like that would have been such a cooler plot than to just have another revolution story that they've already done twice so far. I really hope this movie gets half the shit that Far Cry 5 is getting for not being political enough. This movie is going so far politically that I think it's too on the nose and just kind of cringy and jumping the shark. Like, 
movies I don't know. I, I don't I'm not against political thrillers or anything and I liked I liked the, a lot of the themes that these movies suggest, but I I just I feel like if you, if you keep hitting they they just this is the fourth movie where they're going to hit the same nail. Like that nail has been driven into the board two movies ago. Like move on. Tell a different story, you know? We we've seen it. And it has nothing to do with the subject matter. I think there's ways to handle this subject matter uh, where you're not just rehashing the same type of action that you've already had in three other movies. I thought 2 was a great turning point for the series where it was a dark action thriller where it turned into a Escape from New York style Survive the Night situation. And then 3 was kind of like that, but it was way more political. And I guess that just worked for them, so they're going in that direction again. I just, I don't know. I don't really like it. The thing is, I don't think they need the political angle to sell these movies. No one's going yeah. into The Purge to see a political commentary on America. They're going into The Purge to see a kind of fun horror action movie. So you'd think they could just drop that whole angle because it, I don't think it really adds too much to the plot. I just think that there's they could take it in a direction where instead of it being... Uh, the government versus the people, they could do something where in this world, the people are bad and they form different gangs and you could do cool things with the gangs like uh, the, the Outsiders or you know, or Escape from New York where you have all these really interesting uh. visually kind of people where maybe there's a group of people that make their own weapons every year and there's people that are like hunters or something. Like there's a lot of cool ways that you could kind of slice up a city and make all these interesting areas you could go through, but instead, they're just reshooting the same movie they've done twice so far. Yeah, and they could they could even take it somewhere else, if they if they wanted to do a politicized story like this, which is again fine. They could have taken it somewhere like the Deep South or like Florida, you know, set it out in or in the Louisiana Bayou or something, and really set if they want to make it so. Uh, you know, like marginalized people, like African Americans, going up against white supremacists who now have legal freedom to be racists, like they were back in the 1800s. There's a really good thing they could do there. You know, they could really, if they want to go for the throat of people who are voting for Trump, which is who this movie is clearly going after. You know, it's trying to make them either piss them off or make them start to think about who they voted for. I think there's a much better way to do it. There's so many, there's so much opportunity, I think, than just rehashing the same stuff, you know, over and over, which yeah. is what we're doing. Yeah. Like, this is so similar. So I don't think my issue is what the subject matter is. I think my issue is that we've seen it so many times. Yeah, and I mean, that's my issue with it too. I just want to see something more original than mm -hmm. what they've done. So. And they're already working on a TV show, which you know is going to be political in some way. I... Like I'm, I want to see what just normal bad people would do with a night where they can commit crime, and I want to see what good people would let themselves degenerate to to survive that. You know? Yeah. I, I mean, think there's a lot of great emotional stuff you can tap into. I think there's a lot of great social commentary. I think there's a lot of ways you can make deliver a message that's truly going to make people think instead of satirizing and lampooning on the current political state, which it feels like this is doing. This feels like it's jumping the shark to be almost comedic rather than 
poignant. Does that make sense? Yeah, where I, I get it. It's it's almost becoming a, a parody of itself at this point. Yeah, I'm, we haven't seen the movie. We're obviously going to go see it. I'm going to on July 4th because yeah. this feels like a staple of summer now, which is good because we need more summer movies. And I really, I think this movie is going to make a lot of money. Yeah, I, I mean, do, for sure. But, I don't think they've had one that didn't make a ton of money. So they're going to keep mm-hmm. making them. I just wish they'd make them a little more different. Yeah, and, you know, the first one was okay. I I don't think it should have been sold as a home invasion movie because it was, it was different than that. Two, I think, was the peak. Two was great. Three was pretty good. I, I'd give three, like, a seven and a half out of ten. But this... This one kind of feels like I'm trying to think of something I can equate it to, you know? I don't I don't know what else like Friday the 13th a later one or something, you know, like where it's it's Friday the 13th ran out of things it could do, I think. It's like, so that's why they sent Jason to New York. But this movie has other <laughs> things it could do, so why are we sending it to New York? Yeah, this is like Jason goes to hell. Yeah. Where It's just it's it's just like they don't know what else to do, so they just keep doing it over again and try to make it bigger every time, and it doesn't seem to be working. But we've only seen one trailer. Maybe it'll yeah. surprise us. Maybe you know, there's always the, hope they, for it. It's Blumhouse who made Get Out. They produced Get Out, yeah, and they're obviously trying to capitalize on the same social commentary uh, that that com- movie yeah, made. Yeah, social yeah. commentary and conversation that they built around that movie. But this just feels it feels almost exploitative at this point. Like they know it, they know what they have to do to get people to talk about it, and they've done that instead of trying to do something new with it. Right. But yeah, so we'll see when it comes out. But this one, I was really excited for to see something new because it finally seemed like we were getting something new, and we're not. So yep. it's disappointing. Yeah. But uh, George, you've created a new segment for yourself. <laughs> And uh, it's called Georgia's Audio-Only Poster Review. And you thought it would be good to review which poster this week? Uh, the movie that we just shit all over, The First Purge, also released a poster <laughs> in co- to coincide with their trailer dropping. All right, I want, I'm going to close my eyes. I want, I want to be able to see this poster that I did not just look at in the document in my mind. Okay. So, this poster is... A woman standing in the pose of the uh, Statue of Liberty. A couple of books in her hand. <laughs> I don't think that's a woman. Huh? How do you know? A she per- doesn't have boobs. A, a fine, a person. I think it's a guy. You don't know? <laughs> it's a guy, dude. Oh, you're right. It is a guy. It was really small. <laughs> Okay, continue. I'm just gonna go with person. I don't know if it's a guy or a girl. I don't wanna. Okay. I don't wanna right, assume. Right, I, yeah, don't don't assume his gender. Don't assume. Don't assume their gender. Fuck. So, this don't per- assume their gender. This person is standing in the Statue of Liberty pose, and they I have. I didn't notice that. What looks like a book in one hand, and then a Molotov cocktail in the other, instead of the torch, and they also have a cape on for some reason. Uh, they look to be just in the middle of, like, a street with the full moon behind them, and then underneath it, it says, A Nation Reborn, The First Purge, July 4th. Hmm. So, can you critique this poster? 
like give give me a review of it. I mean, I think that that is actually kind of fun. I do like the Statue of Liberty pose with the Molotov cocktail. I think that is actually mm-hmm. kind of cool. But the the fire on the Molotov cocktail looks like they just put a PNG of fire. Yeah, the fire is I like the idea, but the execution is lacking. Um and also I think they could have done something way cooler with the background. Yeah, it's just a street. Like what if that was like the city on fire behind him or something? Yeah, this takes place in New York. Why is it not New York? Yeah, it's like a like a midwestern sleepy town street, but but it's supposed to take place in New York. Yeah. I like his face paint. He looks kind of spooky. Yeah, the face paint does look pretty good. I I've decided that this is a male. I'm I'm sorry <laughs> if I'm wrong. I'm really not trying to assume someone's gender here that we don't know, but I think this is a man. I mean, you're probably right. But, hey. But there we go. You know? That is the Purge. The first Purge poster. Could be worse. Could, could be, be a lot worse. Yeah, it could be a lot worse. I think this is kind of a cool design, but... It looks like as much care went into this poster as coming up with a great original concept for the prequel to the whole series. Yeah, probably. <laughs> it looks like cheap looks like a cash grab yeah phoned in phoned in yeah like bare minimum how do we incite some people to be upset and make some other people feel inspired how do we generate a conversation around our franchise that's what it feels like it feels very corporate which is ironic yeah that's the whole idea is like against big business capital it's like uh how ubisoft loves to let their games shit on corporation yeah like watchdogs too yeah so what do you give this out of 10 oh letterbox we're doing five stars and you get half stars what would you give this uh i'd give this poster like like a two five yeah that that seems fair like you know the the foundation is there but nothing is built on it right it's like a good starting point but should have gone back to the drawing board yeah needs a couple more revisions yeah okay i'm fine with that so you the listener get to think on that while we take a quick break and we'll be right back with our review of a quiet place All right, so we're back from our quick break, and first this week, we actually have two movies, which George just reminded me. Uh, The first one we're going to talk about, though, is A Quiet Place, which is a new movie that everyone's probably heard of. It was written by Brian Woods and Scott Beck, and then John Krasinski took their original spec script and then rewrote it, and uh, John Krasinski also directed it, and he stars in it as the father of a family named, his name is Lee, and his wife in real life, Emily Blunt, plays Evelyn, and... Millicent Simmons plays Regan, a deaf daughter that they have, and they have a son named Marcus who's played by Noah Jupe. And the plot description is, in 2020, Earth has been overrun by sightless, predatory creatures with extremely sensitive hearing. The Abbott family, husband Lee, wife Evelyn, deaf daughter Regan, sons Marcus and Beau, scavenge for supplies while remaining as silent as possible and communicating non-verbally through American Sign Language. 
And the reason that we mentioned Bo in this description and not uh, in the cast list is because he dies immediately. Spoiler alert, dude. It's in the trailer. <laughs> it's like Georgie dying in It. It's the exact same. So It's in the trailer. What'd you think of this movie, George? I really liked it. I had... I went in with pretty high expectations after I know you got to see it a little bit early and you were telling me that it was fantastic and a modern horror masterpiece. So I went in ex- a masterpiece. expecting it to be really good and I was pleasantly surprised. I really enjoyed my time with it. I thought that it was extremely well paced, well written. I liked all the characters. I thought that the monster design was top notch. Some of the best. Dude, for all CGI... What? That yeah. was so good. Those are probably the best CGI monsters I've seen maybe ever. Like, they looked incredible. They're scary looking. Yeah, they were genuinely creepy. I thought that the plot itself was so interesting and original that mm-hmm. it really keeps you invested through the whole movie. Kinda. Yeah, they always make sure there's something going on. Even when one problem is solved, another one is immediately introduced right up until the last second of the movie. So you're you can never like relax throughout the entire thing. Yeah, like you are seriously intently watching as silent as the characters are in the movie because you don't want to miss anything and you're just so laser focused on what's going on. Yeah, and I thought that it was good that it start it starts at day 89 so three months into this event where humanity has been wiped out because i think if it started right at the initial event then there would have been a lot more to criticize uh i think i think starting out there was really good i don't want to spoil anything but i think because of certain plot elements that starting out well into the event was smart yeah i think not being able to skip the like war of the worlds aspect of the movie mm-hmm. and just being able to kind of pick it up with very few survivors kind of who've set up their own place where they survive and you know they have a farm and they have their own system set up to where they know how to move around their environment and they're obviously know know it extremely well and have all these things set up just in case the monsters are nearby and they know what to do and they obviously put a lot of time into planning they have surveillance cameras so it was cool to see some like a, a doomsday event where the people were already set up and were living in that new world as opposed to mm-hmm. trying to escape an event that was going on with like a million people around i agree and there's also this double-edged sword to it where it's good and bad but this movie it doesn't really have anything to say, I don't think. I don't think there's a deeper analytical level you can look at this other than it presents a world and what has happened to the world and you are just existing in it along with the characters. And you're looking through a window and I I watched a couple of videos that were trying to, you know, draw some sort of political resonance out of this movie and the the one I found was such a stretch that I'm just I'm glad that this movie is so confident and so well made that it is what it is and you just got to deal with it and you can't pull out some dumb shit like the monsters represent marxists silencing everyone which is what this guy was saying like anyone who comes up with something like that just sounds fucking stupid so I thought this was really cool but on the other side 
it's 90 it's eight it's less than 90 minutes and i feel like they could have i feel like they were a little scared to add more onto that and i feel like they definitely could have especially with evelyn like she's really cool she's pregnant so that kind of limits what she can do in the movie but emily blunt is just such a great actress and she's carried herself so well in action movies like uh lived i repeat and sicario that she kind of takes a back seat in this one that i wish she didn't really take because every single character except for her gets a great well-defined arc and a lot of de- development but she's just pregnant and then she has the baby and that's her her arc you know I mean, her conclusion's pretty strong. Yeah, not to spoil anything, but yeah, I I guess. I I think she could have been developed better. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they basically paint... And that's just splitting hairs, but... Yeah, I mean, they paint John Krasinski as, like, you know, he's the guy that goes out and takes care of everything, makes sure that the family's okay, and uh, provides for them, and he's the one who kind of goes out to teach the son, you know, practical skills that he's going to need to survive in this world. And uh-huh. Emily Blunt just kind of teaches him, you know, homeschools him and his math homework and right. is pregnant. I think, so she's like, I think it could have used some scenes between her and Regan. Yeah, th- they definitely could have used some more development between those two because I thought Regan was an extremely strong character. Mm-hmm. And she, you know, whenever she's actually on screen, she kind of steals the the limelight. And I think she could have used more conversations with the parents or more... I mean, there's one kind of aspect to her where she is deaf and her and John Krasinski, uh, he's trying to make like a hearing aids for her and that have like... That wasn't really developed too well, exactly what he's trying to do with those. And I right. think they probably could have added a little bit as to, like, what the end goal was for having, like, a super hearing aid. I agree. So, I agree there. So there's, like, a couple things like that where they could have gone in a little a little further in depth. And uh, I thought that some of the scenes, some of the foreshadowing was, like, a bit too on the nose. But, oh yeah, there's the see it's in the trailer where there's a nail sticking out of the staircase. You didn't like that part. Yeah, I just thought I mean I like what it sets up, but I just thought that that was like too much time was focused on like a nail being stuck up in a in the staircase. And after it's after it's utilized, characters go down the same staircase and they do the same kind of framing they did to make it scary the first time, but it's never comes into play and there's never any shot of anyone taking the nail out of the stairs. So that was kind of weird. Also, the first third of the movie has like way too many jump scares, where it will go from complete total Dude, the whole silence. Movie has too many j- fucking jump scares, and they're not good. I did a whole video on this, which everyone should watch. But it's the kind of jump scare that's literally that's used in so many horror movies just to make sure you're still paying attention. But this movie is already so well written and so well developed that you're you're paying attention, but it cuts from complete silence to extremely loud noises for no reason. They don't serve any purpose other than to scare you, and there's so many of them. Yeah, I I didn't really like that aspect, but I thought that the plot was so interesting and the pacing was so good, the monsters looked incredible, and the story was just so well-written and interesting to follow that every you know everything else kind of feels nitpicky. Yeah, like, we are definitely nitpicking this is all just surface level stuff it's like detracts from it 
very little. I don't I don't necessarily think it needs a sequel, honestly. No, I'd be uh, upset if there was a sequel, honestly. I think yeah. that it does a great job of being a self-contained story, and I'd prefer to just have John Krasinski write another story, you know, have not even in the same universe, just another short horror story or another, you know, small-time writer director wants to do something in this kind of you know they pick up a story and they start writing and they just think it's a good idea and just have it made because i thought this was such a great self-contained story that you know i think that was a perfect amount of it and anything more might might kind of ruin it i agree but man this this is a great movie i'm sure everyone listening has already seen it but if you haven't uh, you definitely should go check it out in the theater because for some reason people actually want to shut up and be quiet during this movie. So it's not like when you go to see a jump scary horror movie where everyone's screaming and taking pictures and shit. Like this one, people are pretty respectful in both cases that I saw it. I had kind of the opposite. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I've, everyone's tweeting about how good their theater experience was and you got the one bad yeah, one. I got, the, I got one pretty bad one. Um, there was... That sucks. I went on opening night, like I went Thursday night at seven, and okay. peak time. There was, there was like one. It was really only one group of people that were. It was like a couple of teenage girls and a guy, and through like any of the jump scares for the first part of the movie, they were reacting extremely loud and just like screaming Ugh. obscenities, which I was like, okay, like I'm trying to watch the movie here. But after a while, they calmed down, and and it was fine once once the movie picked up a little bit. But uh, the the beginning, like thirty minutes, was was pretty rough. Okay, that sucks. <laughs> but overall, I'd give this movie five stars out of five, and say go see it, and enjoy it, and have a lot of fun. Yeah, I would give this like a four or five, and I also highly recommend it. I say this is a must see. Uh, probably put this on the top of your list over whatever else you were going to go out and see this weekend instead. All right, and we do have one more movie that we're reviewing this week, and it was Demon House, directed by Zach Baggins and starring Zach Baggins from the critically acclaimed Ghost Adventure show on Travel Channel. (laughs) And so the idea behind this documentary, I guess we'll call it, is uh, Zach Baggins purchased a house where the alleged uh, Ammons hauntings occurred, which is in Gary, Indiana. And there was a lot of buzz around this house. It was called, like, the Portal to Hell. And there's a story where uh, a family was living there, and the people inside were said to be possessed, and they had to move out of the house because they couldn't take it. And there's they the family has all these crazy stories, like... They took the kid to a child psychiatrist, and he started walking up the walls and doing all this weird stuff. And so <laughs> they reenact it. They like too. reenact it's it, uh-huh. and it's 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 pretty laughable. I mean, the the whole movie is a joke. I thought. <laughs> yeah, uh, I did not like it. I thought it was funny. I think it's also bad and i don't understand what what like why this needed to be separate from ghost adventures and be its own movie i mean there was some stuff in it that was like unintentionally funny like (laughs) like what a spoiler alert 
for Demon House, if any of you guys want to watch it. Uh, there's <laughs> one point where Zach Baggins decides that he's going to board himself up in the house overnight because he doesn't... So the end of the movie. Yeah, the end of the movie. He boards himself <laughs> up in the house because he's like, I don't want a chance to escape. And there's a lot of bad energy in this place, baby. I'm going to lock myself <laughs> in. And so they literally board up the house... They they put a bunch of boards over all the windows and doors and screw it in so he can't leave and he has to sleep in the house overnight, and the <laughs> he experiences some eye trauma from being in the house overnight and now has permanent eye damage so he claims and has to wear prism yeah, glasses. Yeah, he says he wears. <laughs> He says he needs to wear prism glasses. <laughs> he says if he doesn't wear prism glasses, that his eyes are in intense pain at all times, and if he gets the surgery to have it corrected, it could kill him. So he doesn't want to have eye surgery. And they do they make all these weird claims the like Oh, this lady social worker who was checking on the kids from the initial event of the so called exorcism, uh, she left the house and then three days later got into a motorcycle accident and th- and fell off a jet ski and like did something else. So it's like people who are in the house are definitely who who's which one of the person is his friend that he calls and then they end up being dead in real oh, life. Oh yeah. So one of his friends was like a medium and she said oh, there's like a little bit of backstory to this where it opens with Zach Baggins being like I didn't know what to expect when I came into this house, but I had a dream before I started this where a 10-foot-tall goat man was standing in front of my door, and he breathed smoke in my eyes, and it burned. And, like... The fo- you think did you think that foreshadowing was on the nose? Yeah, that was that was on the nose. That was, like, more than on the nose. That was up the nose. And, like... Where I disagree with you in uh, the, A Quiet Place, I agree with you there that that was on the nose. <laughs> And so at, at one point, he he says that his friend, who was a medium, called him and reached out to him and said that she was feeling like there was a giant goat demon that was after him or was a presence in that house. I, I don't want to laugh because this lady died. Yeah. But like, yeah. come so on. She tried to communicate with the spirit from his phone. Like, he just held it out in the house. And, and then the lady died. His friend, who was this medium, oh, she was murdered God. by her husband. It was like a, a murder-suicide. Yeah. It was a, a crazy, tragic story. And the one of the people he calls into the house to like come investigate it with him for things that could be causing hauntings that are just normal, everyday, explainable things, right? That's what that guy was yeah, doing? Yeah, he, he has like these special instruments where he's... Uh, I mean, according to Zach Baggins, this guy's like a NASA doctorate scientist guy. And he has all these... The guy goes in the house... Leaves and gets massive organ failure. Like, there's a scene of him in a hospital bed, and they're like, yep, his pancreas, lungs, intestines, and heart are all shutting down. He's just... Like, what the fuck is going on in this house, dude? Like, I mean, what is going on with the house? There has to be some very toxic chemical in there, because that's not right. <laughs> And I don't know, dude. And the, the part when he locks himself in and he just gets pissed off and starts walking around is my favorite. Because if you've never seen Zach Baggins before, I don't know how to explain him. He's like, he's like, I don't know if Ed Hardy is a person, but if I thought of Ed Hardy <laughs> as a person, I'd think of Zach Baggins. <laughs> or he looks like Jacoby from Papa Roach. He does kind of look like, he does look like that guy. 
And, like, they try to do this weird thing where people in the house get, like, aggressive sometimes. And, like, there'll be scenes where Zach will just, like, push the cameraman to the wall. And then they all walk out and he's like, yo, what just happened? And they're like, oh, you pushed the cameraman <laughs> yeah, to weird. the wall, dude. And he's like, oh, I don't even remember that. It's like, are you serious? Like, how stupid do you think we are as the audience? The My that- favorite part is when Jason Blum, who isn't Jason Blum, calls him <laughs> and is bitching him out on the phone. He's like, I have the fucking movie rights to this house. Just because you bought it doesn't mean you get rights to the store. You can't make a movie, dude. And it's like. It's not Jason Blum, but it's Jason Blum. He's like, a very prominent movie producer <laughs> called me, and I changed his voice so that he can't sue me. And the guy's like, hey, you're an asshole. I own the rights to the story. Don't make a movie. And he's like, you can't bully me. I have the house. I purchased uh, it. He talks like, he's like, I don't know why you think you can call and threaten me, but you can't. <laughs> <laughs> he's so edgelordy. But also, there's a weird thing like where... He keeps trying to talk to anyone who's lived in this house, and suddenly, whenever there's money being thrown around to make a movie about the house, these people don't want to talk. So, I don't want to say that they might be inflating their happenings and stories so that they can make money, which, you know, if I lived in Gary, Indiana, which, if you don't know, is Extremely a pretty poor fucking terrible place. Terrible area. <laughs> Very low place income. Place where you just don't want to live. I'm not blaming them, because if I was in their situation, I'd be saying, this this ghost chopped my fucking leg off. I'm a pirate now. I have a peg leg. Like, this ghost is crazy. This ghost comes to my house every night and pours peroxide on little cuts all over my arm. I'd just be saying all this shit so I could sell the movie rights and make money. I'm not blaming them. Right. But it just, I am calling them liars. Okay, so there's two big instances of this. The first one is he tries to interview the people who own the house who the original haunting was all about. Who yeah. they said they were possessed and said their son walked up the wall and, this, and all that, that stuff. That part's really weird because he, sh- he shows going to talk to them at the beginning of the movie and then again later. But it's the same footage. But he plays it off like it's two different instances. Except one of them is longer and he shows the entire thing. But the other one he just shows the like first couple seconds of it. But he pretends like they're two different... Like, you went to the house two different times to talk to these people, and the first time they were receptive, and the second time they were just, like, bought off. Right? Did well, you notice that? Well, it's, like, two different narratives. The first time, they don't want to go right, right. because they say that he was in the house, so he has, like, oh, he yeah, can bring yeah. the the ghost with him into their new place where they're staying. So, But it's the same footage, right? Yeah, it's the same footage it's from the same day. So the first time, he goes up there, and then the her... The family all moved in with the the mother's brother, and so they're all living in his apartment, and then he goes out, and he hangs out with Zach for the day, and then they're like, and he wasn't allowed back in his house, because he also was in contact with me, who was in the house, and they're like, and then he goes back, quote unquote, you know, goes back, basically probably drops the brother off, and then is like, hey, do you want to talk to us? And then they say, no, we're in the talks for a movie deal, and we don't want to mess anything up with that. Yeah. So, then they're at the house, and randomly this family shows up, where it's a mom and her three kids, and she says, oh yeah, I used to live in this house when I was like a teenager. Uh, is it cool if we like walk around and go inside? And he's like, okay, but I'm warning you, this place is a haunting, you know, there's some pretty crazy spirits in here, and you might, if you come in, you might not come out the same way. And they're like, 
okay, I don't care. And then they all go around, they walk around the house. You guys want to see me do a kickflip? You guys want to see me ollie off this curb? It's pretty sweet. And then they're six like... Six inches. <laughs> six inches. And then they go around and, like, the mom... Her knee buckles at one point, and they're like, oh, a ghost kicked her in the back of the knee. Wasn't that crazy? <laughs> she yells at her kid. She's like, why are you kicking me? And the kid's like, laughs at her. He's like, I didn't touch you. But you can tell they told the kid to say that because he can't keep his fucking face straight. <laughs> and so that whole scene is really weird. They try to play up like there was some ritual in the basement because they find, like, a pan, like, in some dirt <laughs> like below the stairs. Like shit that would be in the basement, yeah. they find. They're like, oh yeah, this was. They find an acrylic nail, and they're like, oh, this was a, a satanist ritual here. They're trying to kill somebody, and so there's just all these really crazy leaps in, uh, in thought. And uh, then after the, the mom leaves with the three kids, they get a call like a week later or something, and the daughter tried to commit suicide. And they go to the church to have her exercised, and she says she doesn't remember anything. And at one point, when the priest is exercising her, she just drops her head, and they're like, oh, there we go. That's a demon leaving her. So there's just all these, like, ridiculous things in this movie. It's a total Yeah, it's joke. filmed like a vlog, which is kind of weird. It's filmed like a YouTube video. Yeah, it's... I felt. It's really strange. It's like... The whole thing is a joke. I thought that it's good for a laugh, but, like... It's, like, one of the least, I don't know, realistic or believable haunting documentaries I think you could possibly make. And it's just just a really strange movie. (laughs) It is a really strange movie. I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, You know, I'd really love to do a commentary of this movie. So if people want that, let us know. I'd really like to do one. I think that could be really fun. This one could be really fun because it's it's a joke already, so we could just <laughs> kinda of pile on. I don't I don't wanna like I don't think it's I don't think it's good enough to hold to really any standard, but I think it's worth watching if you have like some friends and you wanna, you know, get drunk and watch a crazy ghost movie where this guy thinks he's groundbreaking and cool but he's legitimately crazy like he's a total nut and he's weird as shit and he gets to wear prism glasses now i mean this one is good to watch because it has the most ridiculous shit ever you could possibly have in a haunting movie all thrown into this one so yeah it's kind of fun to watch there's it, the reenactments of the goat man are cr- oh, great those are i great. love them there's like oh my they god they do it a lot yeah the reenactments are great the Zach Baggins trying to be tough is hilarious. The, I love that. The like weird story elements are all strange, and it's they do like some weird stuff with the cameraman where they say that he get he's getting possessed. Oh, and he's like stomping through the hotel, and it's like there's just so many crazy, stupid things that are just like it, it's almost you have to watch it to believe it. Yeah, the cameraman in the hotel's great. He's, like, stomping around. He's all pissed off. And it's apparently late at night, but you don't know because there's no windows. And he's like, he's coming for you. He's coming for you. And he's, like, yelling at Zach Baggins. And Zach's just standing there. He's just like, have you ever done a gift search for this guy on Twitter? I don't watch Ghost Adventures. I feel like I should now, though, because <laughs> this, this, this guy's movie converted a nut. You? This guy's a nut, dude. He's a fucking nut. <laughs> He is crazy, but I think this movie is worth a lot, worth a watch just for the the ridiculousness of it. 
Yeah, I don't. I it is worth watching. It really is, and I'm surprised <laughs> I'm saying that. It's really fun. I really want to watch it again, but I'm gonna wait till like we're hanging out in real life to watch it again. Yeah, I'm not paying another six bucks to watch this on my own. Oh yeah, it was a a rental on Amazon. I paid for this too. <laughs> full disclosure, we rent a lot of movies. Actually, I realize. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm perfectly fine with paying six or seven bucks to rent a movie. Yeah, and you know what? It looked pretty good on Amazon. Streamed well. I recommend it. Yeah. If I had to rate it as a film, what did I give it on? What did you give it on Letterboxd? Uh, I, I, I believe should... a two five. Oh, that's generous. What did I give it? <laughs> I probably give it that too. Who knows? Let's see. Uh, recent activity. When did I put that on here? Huh. Um. What's it called? Demon House. Yep. My uh, <laughs> I gave it. Two oh, I gave it. I gave it three stars. <laughs> I gave it two and a half stars. And my that was re- kind of me. My two sentence review was good for a laugh and not much else. Much like all the people in this, much like all the people this movie is based on, it feels like a cash grab. My review is this guy's a nut! Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> uh, and sorry, Luke Jaggers, friend of the show. Uh, I, he he gave it five stars and really likes the movie because I posted on in the Fear Frequency Instagram. I posted and asked our listeners or fans if it's real or fake, and everyone said fake. And some people did this funny joke where they would go, "Yeah, real fake," and I thought that was great. But Luke Javer, Jaggers is really uh, adamant that it's real, and he gave it five stars. I mean, so, some people believe in the baggins, and that's completely fine. Baggins in the got it in the bag. <laughs> I kind of feel like I need to watch Ghost Adventures now because that I really like ghost shows. I I was into Finding Bigfoot for a minute, but I like uh I liked Ghost Hunters for a while. I would always watch the live ones on Halloween. Those are always kind of fun, where they'd have like you could log into the website and you could do the chat with everyone. Yeah, it was better before there was the internet. Remember when uh, we watched it one year and they could never get it to work, so it kept going off the air on TV? Oh, yeah. Uh, they had one, remember they had one with the guy from Destination Truth and Destina- or Expedition Unknown, Josh Gates? Remember when they had him on? That was great. Yeah. That, I like that, that guy. That was a good one. Man, that's a good show. <laughs> uh, I haven't seen a lot of other ghost shows, though. I feel like I need to take advantage of my YouTube TV and that because lately all i've been doing is just uh hln is basically a streaming service for forensic files mm-hmm. at this point so i just throw that on i mean but i feel like i need to introduce some ghost adventures we all love a good episode of forensic files i think i have seen every episode of forensic Files. <laughs> i've been watching it for years since i was in middle school that's quite the achievement I, there's there's over 400 episodes, but I'm I'm dead fucking serious that I, I think I've seen them all. Because it's getting to a point now. Oh, it's gotten to a point now where on HLN, every new episode, I'm like, oh, I've seen this one. And it used to be like just a trickle. Like every five or ten, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I've seen this one. But now it's every episode I'm saying I've seen this one. And they don't just show the newer ones on there. They show them, you know, when there's a newer one, the quality in picture doesn't increase. But if it's shot in sixteen by nine, then you know it's a newer one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, they all look the same. They all look like they were shot in nineteen ninety one. But interestingly enough, 
there was one where they showed the Walgreens that's by my parents' condo in Florida, and every part of the murder added up to a West Palm Beach story, in my opinion. <laughs> Sounds like one that everyone has to see. It's kind of a biased show because the cops always win. Well, don't you want the cops to win? Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like <laughs> I'd, I'd like to see a couple where someone where on the, the other side away. of the law is so good at guessing what the forensic filists <laughs> are going to do. The forensic filers that he like, like if I killed someone, I think I could get past the forensics aspect of it, but I would turn myself in out of guilt. <laughs> But you just want to be able to get away with it is to say that you beat the forensic filers. Yeah, I feel like I have a good shot against the forensic filers. <laughs> I've seen every episode of Forensic Files. That's what I'll say. I'll say at my court when I'm like up on the you know, up on the stand, I'll yeah. be like I'm gonna tell you why this couldn't be me. Did you find any forensic evidence? No. You didn't. Because I've seen every episode of Forensic <laughs> Files. And I know the only way you can actually convict someone is if you have real forensic evidence, which you don't have. I removed all the hair from my body. <laughs> I don't spit anymore. I closed up my saliva glands. My eyes don't water. It's very dry. I wrapped myself in cellophane. And uh, I will not reveal the poison that may or may not have been used to kill this person. <laughs> Sounds like you got it all locked up. Yeah, and then I go to jail because they'd be like, this guy's a fucking nut. <laughs> like he's wrapped in plastic wrap up on the stand. And he's bald. They'd be like, you know what? We, you didn't leave any forensic evidence, <laughs> but you did leave a pair of prism glasses. Because your eyes are so damaged from not being wet anymore since you removed all the, all the juice from those bad boys. I wonder if anyone's done that. That'd be really painful. <laughs> I don't think there's any way to do that. Yeah, you do. You just like put some crazy glue over your tear ducts oh my god <laughs> simple try it out simple and then we'll, we'll see how you're feeling on next yeah let me episode. let me try that out let me <laughs> i filed down all of my teeth so that i cannot leave teeth impression <laughs> i don't have fingerprints either i ripped those off oh yeah gotta get rid of those number one that's yeah that's the first thing you do then you let that heal. Then I think you do the teeth. Then uh, the eyes. And then uh, <laughs> you... I think it'd be pretty easy to crazy glue up your uh, saliva glands. I don't think that your eye juice would leave any kind of DNA evidence like can trace back to you. I don't think there's like any, a unique strand any of orifice, eye juice everybody has. Any orifice, urethra included male or female must be plugged <laughs> to commit the perfect crime all right i think on that note it's time to end it george i've i've created the perfect criminal <laughs> you want to take us home this week for once sure if you see the dryman as he's called make sure you turn and run the other way he'll get really tired fast because he's full of water because he plugged all his holes <laughs> But if you think you're alone, you never know who might be listening.